Hey guys, welcome back to BCM and AM episode three. We're going to be talking about anxiety and the gospel today, and we have uh, just a myriad of people on that I'm so excited to have. We've got Kate White over here. Say hi, Kate. Hey, I'm a sophomore here at the University of Tennessee. Woo! <laughs> That's pretty much all I got. <laughs> and we have Sam Hawes. Hey guys, I am so glad to be back with you all today. Myself, I'm Zach, and this is Jared Justice. How's it going, guys? Honored to be here. I'm Jared Justice. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist here at Haven Counseling Center. So it's a privilege to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're happy to have all you guys. We're so excited about this. So diving into this topic right off the bat, what is the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the catch-all word, anxiety? Well, for me personally, it's like when you get this nervous thought and then it just manifests. And like for me, when I get anxious... Like I get ca- kind of sick to my stomach. So, like, just, like, that icky feeling of, like, something bad could happen. Yeah, I almost always have a physical response when my uh, anxious thoughts become consuming, you know? And that's why I think, when I think of anxiety, mm-hmm. I think of, like, anxious thoughts that are consuming. And they just stick around, kind of like gum on the bottom of your shoe. Yeah. 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 What do you think about counseling? (laughs) (laughs) What do I think when I hear the word anxiety? Uh, I think I have anxious thoughts about trying to even define it. But uh, yeah, no, I relate to, you know, Kate and Sam. I think there's some things I feel in my body. I might have a shortness of breath or I might kind of bounce my leg or feel sort of... um, jittery you know depending upon how much coffee i've had too i could be a bit more <laughs> that's always a contributing factor <laughs> i know for me it definitely is what if i'm three coffees in i know that my anxiety level can rise and fall with the moment <laughs> that's yeah. very true yeah <laughs> so speaking of anxiety it sounds like we gave a pretty negative connotation to it is there any time in which you know stress is a good thing in our lives yeah so i like the question i think the first thought would be, I don't know if any of us really enjoy being stressed, but it's something that we all experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then I think probably our response to stress is what can be either good or sort of impairing to whatever we're doing. So say I'm stressed because I have a final coming up or I mm-hmm. have a job interview, um, So sometimes a bit of stress can motivate me to uh, respond and prepare. Uh, Other times I might be impaired by stress where Mm -hmm. um, I I might sort of run away into things like escapism with Mm -hmm. Netflix and chill. And I realize, (laughs) oh, it's been eight hours and I've not done that thing. And so sometimes we can avoid whatever we're stressed about and that can actually compound the anxiety compound the stress so sometimes when i think about what's good about it it may just be more an opportunity for me to think through how can i really take care of myself what's good planning here Mm -hmm. what's uh you know the resources i need i know we'll probably get into some of that to to sort of navigate these stressors in my life right sometimes stress can feel exciting though like you know if i doesn't always have to be like a negative. Sometimes I feel those butterflies in my stomach right before I'm doing a speaking engagement or TNT. And it's both like 
I'm nervous. I'm a little stressed about how I'm going to be yeah. received, but it's also exciting because I have this sure. opportunity. And sometimes that, that stress can also make me, um, I don't know, like have a better performance or like uh, improve my like reactivity to things. So I definitely think there can be good stress mm-hmm. um, if we respond well to it. I love that it's in our response that stress becomes good or bad. Yeah. So I think that's really, really yeah. poignant. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So with that being the case, like what does it depend on our response when it starts to cross into like when general worry about something crosses into anxiety, is it more about the response that we have in the general worry or is it more about like the thing that it is we're worried about? Does that make sense in the question? I think I, I think I'm catching what you're asking here. So I think it's really normal. It's a very human thing for us to be worried. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, from a biblical perspective, Jesus talks about some of these things to not worry about tomorrow because today has enough worry of its own. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just currently, right, with the year 2020, uh, with COVID, with racial tensions, mm-hmm. with the political landscape that feels so confusing at times, um, the the holidays coming up, are we going to shut down, are we not, mm-hmm. uh, do I wear a mask here, do I not here, I love my grandparents, I want to see them, Can and so there can be, I think, so much worry about the future and uncertainty, mm-hmm. that is such a human thing, so um, mm-hmm. the moment to moment, there's going to be hints of anxiety. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think we we all we all are going to deal with that because we're human, and I do think that what makes something move more into sort of like an anxiety disorder, something that like the DSM five, yeah. uh, the diagnostics of this from a clinical perspective, um, it's important to note that it's got to be a clinically significant impairment uh, or distress mm-hmm. in. Uh, vocation and social uh, settings and other areas of functioning. So I might be worried about this situation and that might be stressful, but I'm probably not in this place of diagnosing myself, <laughs> which isn't, it was, which isn't a good idea right. to, to, you know, in the moment, like, Oh, I must have generalized anxiety disorder because I have a calculus, uh, you know, test yeah. coming up. Stay away from WebMD on those. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so giving yourself maybe a bit of uh, compassion. I talk a lot about self-compassion in my office and kindness to yourself mm-hmm. because uh, number one, we all have different weaknesses and cracks in our lives and you throw a pandemic on top of that mm. and you better believe those cracks are going to be a little bit bigger. Oh, and so yeah. something like anxiety, you might tend to be a more anxious person. So are you going to be dealing or struggling with more worry, with more stress, with more anxiety uh, this time of year? I think maybe so. And there's different factors sort of biologically to think about psychologically, socially, mm-hmm. spiritually to think about. So it's the answer sometimes is it depends mm-hmm. depending upon really what is happening in that person's life. And then culturally, like I said, with what's going on with COVID, that we're, we're all probably dealing with a little bit of yeah. anxiety yes. and depression right now. Mm-hmm. I've even heard that we're experiencing a global trauma that's being referred to yeah. as such because right. it is yeah. such a different experience for every person walking this earth. Like, encountering how one lives through a pandemic is 
kind of like a mutual trauma. And so I thought that was really interesting. I do think that adds a layer. Every student I've talked to, I mean, I'm yeah. sure you can speak yeah. to that, Kate, about how um, being a student in the midst of this pandemic has challenged or um, increased yeah. maybe your worries. And it men- mentally, it's like really challenging because like it's do I go out do I stay in Mm -hmm. if I do go out when is a good time to go out Mm -hmm. do I take my mask off when walking to the cafeteria like just like those thoughts in general are just really stressful and like Mm -hmm. half the time like I'm in my room and I'm by myself this for for most of the semester this semester because my roommate went home she was like I have a baby wow. brother. I need to move back home in order yeah. to, like, in order to protect him, I need to be there rather than here. Yeah. And, like, in general, I'm a, I'm an overthinker. And now that I'm by myself, it's just, like, I overthink even more. And, like, mm-hmm. I'm trying – I have to, like, learn how to control it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. Okay, thank you for sharing that. You know, when you were saying, Sam, about – Um, a global trauma, I mean, I think the way that we respond sort of biologically, physiologically, um, to touch on that, I think it's important to recognize even just what's happening in the brain or what's happening in our bodies in response to stress. Um, Mm -hmm. We're all limited because we're human. We're not, we're not unlimited Mm -hmm. in our, in our ability to respond. So we, we have limits. Think of like a, um, you know, a bucket or, uh, you know, something that you're filling up and it gets to a certain place and it's going to spill out the top or break through the bottom. But Dan Siegel and his work out of UCLA, he talks about the concept of the window of tolerance. Mm-hmm. And so if you think about your optimal performance, sort of a river of wellness yeah. in the middle, this is going to be sunny 70, things are going well, I'm probably not going to be anxious or depressed. I'm probably not going to be dealing with sort of these these extremes in my mood or my thoughts or my behaviors. But let's let's as we talk about anxiety, so think about it in terms of I'm moving outside of my ability to cope. I'm moving outside of my ability to to respond well. I might go into more of what would be called a hyper arousal place, sort of an anxious place, a panicked place, Mm -hmm. shortness of breath. I might be sweating. I might be uh, panicked on the inside. Uh, my, my thoughts could be anxious thoughts. And so part of it is learning that we go a bit into those fight or flight responses oh, mm-hmm. with anxiety. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try to attack this thing. I'm going to be sort yeah. of hypervigilant or I'm going to run away. Um, and so some of it is actually good in that we're learning our limitations and how to cope with it might be then how do we calm ourselves down? How do we create a schedule that's going to be more realistic? Mm-hmm. How do we eat well, exercise? We can go into some sleep of the coping, well. sleep mm-hmm. well. But uh, understanding it from that biological place, I think, is really important, too. Yeah. Because it's we can even think like, oh, I'm bad. It's like, I, I, I can't handle this. Well, maybe you can't handle that, and that's okay. Right. Because mm-hmm. um, we each have sort of a different capacity at, with different things. Mm-hmm. And so I, for me, just to be honest, is especially as I get older, I really need a little more sleep. Mm-hmm. I, I do. I can't, I'm not a 17-year-old playing baseball all the time mm-hmm. and can stay up all hours of the night. <laughs> right. you know? And so learning our limitations can actually help our wellness, mm-hmm. and especially with something like anxiety, that I'm learning how to cope in a healthy way versus a negative way. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, an example for myself would be um, mm-hmm. as kind of more of an introverted person, I have to recognize 
that when I'm overstimulated, I need to take a break from people because yeah, I'm not going to find my right. biological response lowering or yes. tempering yeah, yes. in the midst of a large crowd. And so knowing yourself and your limitations that you talk about, yes. um, man, that just sets you up for success. This yes. is not uh, diminishing who God created you to be, but understanding who God yeah. created you to yes. be. Yeah. I love this idea of window of tolerance. I'm really looking forward to looking into more of yeah. that. Because I haven't heard that phrase before, but that sounds really, really helpful to think about. Yeah. I love that when you brought up the some of the ways that we try and like respond to our fight or flight. And I think that's exactly what we see when it comes to anxiety around like the, uh, around the people's response to code is that people yeah. will like either retreat back into a hole somewhere yeah. or they'll like say, I am too tough for it to, to hurt me. And they'll right. rip off masks, be brash in all uh, circumstances, and be kind of judgmental toward people that are more willing to come back. And I think that yeah. we're—I think you did—you made a really good point. Like we're seeing two extremes in which that's not necessarily the response we should have. Like we should be willing to to bring ourselves back down. And so I think to to get us more toward you know the the practical side of things to how do we how do we bring ourselves back down? How do we deal with anxiety what are some characters that we see out of the bible what are some people that we see out of the bible that display anxiety that that we can kind of either identify with or we can see how they handled it and deal with it better or what are some characters yeah i think that's a great question i think these are maybe sensitive waters uh talking about what biblical characters might mm -hmm. display yeah. anxiety. Mm -hmm. I think that I'll offer my opinion on it. I think that when I read scripture, especially the Psalms, I think that there's a real permission yeah. to be human. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think about even like a Psalm 62, 8 that talks about trusting in the Lord with all your heart, pour out your heart to him for God is a refuge to us. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a bit of my paraphrase. I missed a word or two there, but I think the pouring out our heart to the Lord, I think we see that with David. Oh, we David. see that with the psalmist. Yeah. Think about Job. What kind of anxiety might he have felt losing yeah, his livestock? Of course. Losing family. family. Losing, I mean, his own health boils yes. and wondering if he's going to die. Mm -hmm. And the whole book, I mean, the the uh, oldest manuscript that we have from, from Scripture is the book of Job. And this wrestling that you see with the stress and the, the, the circumstances of this calamity that came mm -hmm. yeah. and wait, God, are you here for me? I mean, right. just these quest these questions that, that I think we see in all the biblical characters. I mean, even like a Psalm 22 that Jesus quotes on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken yeah. me? This, this absolute humanness that we see in Jesus. Now the dual natures of Christ must be, uh, we, we've got to hold that up, 100% God, 100% man. Yeah. But even thinking about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating drops of blood. That doesn't seem like an easy moment if you're sweating no. drops of blood. It's, it's not an easy moment. No. I mean, call it call it what you want. Call it stress. Mm -hmm. Call it right. Call it anxiety. Call it right. fear that his life was going to be sacrificed mm -hmm. for the sin of the world, knowing that that was the will of the Father. But him yielding to the Father's will and that that place of humanness, it makes me think of mm. Hebrews 4, where we also get to sympathize, or Jesus sympathizes with us in our weakness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So he was tempted in every way. I mean, he experienced humanness in every way for us that we do, but he was without sin. So then that, that, that invitation to boldly approach the throne of grace in our time of need to find this help, find this mercy. And so the, the, I guess to answer the, about about the biblical characters in scripture, I mean, I think all of them because they were human. There's something about, I mean, I was thinking about how, how stressful it must've been for Noah to build the ark. Right. Or how much, how stressful, how, 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 Anxious Abraham must have been. Yes. Being called to Esther. Approaching the throne room of the king. She was was even like, are you sure? I mean, you just see that hesitation all over scripture. I think it would be harder to find someone who wasn't. Martha, Mary. uh, What did Jesus do when Lazarus died? He didn't say, hey, it's okay, guys. Don't be anxious here. I've got this. Mm -hmm. No, instead, what happened in that story is that jesus wept with them right we we use these words of like he was deeply moved but when you look into this what is deeply moved in spirit mean i mean this was this almost an ugly cry like this Mm -hmm. braying like a horse i mean he was moved deeply with sadness with with distress about a friend dying even though he knew that he would be raised up Mm -hmm. yeah Mary and Martha was actually the story that originally came to my mind because um, when I was in college, I read a book, Having a Mary Heart in a Martha World, and it's referring to the story when Jesus comes to the house of Martha and Mary, and Martha is busy running around trying to make the preparations, Mm -hmm. and Mary is in the room with the men at the feet of Jesus, and Martha comes in and starts complaining to Jesus, which, bold strategy, Martha, love it. Uh, But she goes to say, you know, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Um, And Jesus answers her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. He's calling out, like, I know you're worried, but you're not just worried about me at your house. You're worried about many things. But one Mm -hmm. thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion, and it will not be taken away from her. Um, And that just was always such a a peaceful thing for me to know um, that my busyness and my anxiousness added nothing to the kingdom of God. My hurrying and my flustered trying to do things contributed nothing to the glory of God um, because he is glorious in and of himself um, and is uh, fulfilled and complete um, without me trying to throw extra things into his into his well-being. So Mary has chosen a good thing. And um, I love doing um, things for the Lord, but I have to recognize my best thing is sitting at his feet and soaking in his goodness. Yeah. I can't tell you how many guys that I deal with on a day-to-day basis that that deal with anxiety, but they don't want to express it. Mm. And so, like, they they will stifle it down or they're dealing with hard things in their lives and they just, they just want to push it off keep trudging ahead and i think that's something that we don't really see in the bible we don't see this like building up of stuff and then throwing it over to the side you know and i I, my mind goes to moses at first because of like him being called into you know he had to go talk to pharaoh that's his first job being called by god is like he has a death warrant out on his life and he has to go talk to the guy that issued the warrant right like Mm -hmm. I get anxiety just talking about it, you know? <laughs> um, but, you know, 
that's something else that we're having to deal with is like how do we how do we practically approach this because i feel like a lot of people try to address anxiety in their own way mm-hmm. and it can get really yeah toxic for lack of a better word yeah. because they're they're wanting to go down their own road so what would you say is like a, a practical way to deal with deal with anxiety well and i like what you're you're saying there zach and sam too about mary mary and martha i think the emphasis you know spiritually here on who jesus is for us in the midst of our hard circumstances like who is god for me when i'm stressed out who who is my rock mm-hmm. you know where's where's my lighthouse when the waves are crashing around mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is he really a refuge for me mm-hmm. can i lean on him can he be my stability when i'm when i'm really freaking out mm-hmm. just to say it kind of that way <laughs> yeah. um i think for me personally you know i think back to a couple years ago just going through a really hard time um, feeling really anxious about some different transitions in my life. Um, and I try to do uh, a lot of outside time and love to take a take a job down by the river. Um, yeah. If you've ever been down to Sequoia Hills, it's just really, yeah. really gorgeous along the river there. But I was so anxious and um, needed to have some time just on the bench there looking at the river, um, picked up a piece of bark and was just trying to be mindful in the moment Mm. was trying to slow my breathing down um was trying to be present in the moment because that's Mm. part of what anxiety is is that i can't just be still in the now and so part of it for me was picking up this piece of bark and being mindful and this piece of bark and the river they're not they're not worried about they're not stressed yeah. out the birds aren't stressed out about mm-hmm. the things that i am right. and so being in this moment and who is god for me that he is my rock he is faithful and those are the kinds of moments where you start to notice even in your own body becoming more relaxed mm-hmm. the circumstance might not go away like the 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 waves might still be crashing there could be the medical concern there could of be the course. bad breakup there could yeah. be the mm-hmm. thing with mom and dad there could yes. be something that's really really worrisome but having that anchor of who god is for me along with something like a practical thing of just learning some deep breathing exercises mm-hmm. learning some muscle relaxation exercises um, these are some of the things i teach in my office you know something like deep breathing to give you kind of the 30 second version of that, (laughs) you know, is to really slow your breath down where you think about taking in the air through your nose, Mm -hmm. letting it go all the way in and down, letting that diaphragm really open up. If you've ever done any singing or some choir, (laughs) you definitely want to sing from down here, not from your throat. Um, I'm kind of pointing to my belly here as I'm talking, but you want to, you want to, you want to breathe in, uh, really slowing it down through your nose. Take that good, I, I like to hold it for about four counts. And then if you can imagine blowing like on a cup of soup because it's so hot and kind of blowing it out really, really slowly and thoughtfully. Yeah. And so I will teach this in session and it is such a an important tool, I think, mm-hmm. in coping with anxiety 
uh, that you can do anywhere, anytime. You yeah. can do it in class. You can do it in traffic. Mm-hmm. You you can do it in in the restaurant when you're stressed out or freaking out. Yeah. You know, so <clears throat> something like that. What it's doing is it's actually you're getting more oxygen to the brain. So you are you are literally telling your body that things are are okay. more okay than what you might have experienced mm-hmm. otherwise. Yeah. Uh, so that'd be one thing. Um, maybe I'll stop there. Any any comments on that, Sam or Kate or or Zach? Um, within the past few months, like I've heard like this over and over again, especially by the pastor Craig Grishel. Um, like if it's enough to worry about, it's enough to pray about. Like just like if you start to worry about it, pray about it. Which it's mm. a good way to think. Yeah. It. Yeah, I like that. One of the things that I think about is learning. Um, you talked earlier, Jared, about the biological response right. learning the language of anxiety in my life right. like how is that expressed and understanding that because you know i might have an increased heart rate you know zach may not have an increased rate heart rate so one thing that's helpful is to learn the personal manifestations of that yeah. so i can recognize it earlier yes, on exactly. um and then also learning to name it yes. and not <laughs> allowing yeah. it to be this kind of like quiet ebbing flowing thing but like yeah. naming it and owning it so that yes. we can process through it and i can process through it um in a healthy manners and yes. so i think that's one of the things that's been a really practical way that i've addressed it in my life yeah yeah there's an exercise that that's helpful uh, along those same lines where you're identifying triggers yeah you're identifying your body signs to go along with those triggers mm. And then what are the resources that might help you go go back from sort of this hyper arousal place back mm-hmm. into the window of tolerance, kind of that river of wellness that we talked about. Mm-hmm. And so a trigger might be something that uh, is so subtle. It could be seeing a next, uh, a next boyfriend or an ex-girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And, and so you begin to feel in your body these anxious feelings or, or having anxious thoughts. You, you might be flushed. You might be sweating. You might be, you know... You know, moving your leg up and down, you might mm-hmm. be pacing. Um, then being aware of that, it might be that just doing something like some deep breathing could help bring your body responses back into that more uh, optimal zone. Mm-hmm. I will say other other things practically that are helpful: um, calling a trusted friend. Yeah. You know, uh, yes. do we need people during this time? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Who are the safe? and trustworthy friends that you can reach out to and talk through some of this stuff. Because just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. Just Mm -hmm. because you're feeling it doesn't mean that it's true. So kind of if you can name it, you can tame it, this sort of a thing. Sort of get up up on top of it versus it being on top of you. Mm -hmm. And so some of that is, is, so what's happening I think socially and even psychologically is I was made for connection. I was made for relationship. So let's take something like even... Uh, to take it a, a bit further, um, really, how are you dealing with your emotions through some of these things? Like, how are emotions handled in your family? Yeah. How how are you, you know, coping with some of the feelings that you're having? So saying something like, I'm lonely, or I'm hurt, or I'm sad, mm-hmm. or I'm afraid, saying that out loud to a friend, or or, or even writing it into your journal it allows you to name it, allow, allows yeah. you to sort of externalize what's happening mm-hmm. so that you then can know who God is for you in the midst of whatever you're feeling. Right. Because we can become impaired. Let's take loneliness. 
which I think is a very anxiety provoking place to be. I don't yeah. know about you guys. I don't yes. like being isolated or alone. Mm. I'm, I'm quite quite the extrovert, you know. <laughs> uh, but I'm a bit more introverted as as I've gotten older. But I think so. If I'm feeling lonely, so if I'm impaired by that place, okay. If I'm impaired by being lonely, I might go further into isolation, further into like. Oh, well, no one likes me. Self-pity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't have any friends, this kind of thing. Um, or, or in pride, it might be this, like, well, I don't need anybody. Mm-hmm. But what is that emotion telling us? That, that, that emotion, something like loneliness, is telling us that we were made for connection. We were made for relationship with Jesus. We were made for relationship with others. Right. So it get, gets us back to even circle back at the, the beginning. It's not that being lonely or being anxious or being sad is wrong. Right. It's how am I moving towards God and others in the midst of that? So something like loneliness, who is God for me? Well, he's Emmanuel, God with me. Mm -hmm. Though I feel alone, I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. So there's this opportunity to mature and to grow and to find some stability in God, but also in community. Right. So that comes to mind too, because it's such a such a stressful, anxious place. I mean, think about all the virtual learning that you you know the students are having to do. Think about think about how isolated people are right now, and how how anxious that can be. Oh, I'm on an island. Um, I what am I going to do? There can be that feeling that you're you're not going to be able to make it through. And so, just mm-hmm. being arm in arm with others. I mean, going outside, sit around a fire. Talk yeah. about how you're feeling. This kind of social engagement is definitely a part of yeah. calming uh, yeah. the 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 whole situation in your life, possibly. Well, and it goes back to the isolation when you think that you're the only one struggling. Yes. You know, it becomes a, a deeper pit of shame yes. that can sometimes feel hard to get out of. But by speaking it out into community, what you're often going to find, what I've found time and time again, yes. is people say, Oh, yeah? yeah? Me too. Yeah, me too. Me yeah. too, right? You don't feel alone. And there's so much power that God has created in community. In Absolutely. perfection, community always existed. In the Trinity, yes. community existed. Community yes. is meant to be this place of holiness. So I yeah. love that point. I think yeah. that's so practical. And it is at the tip of your fingertips right now yeah. with the way technology has crafted the ability to be in community. Yeah, man. yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, I agree. I think that's, oh, I love that. I love that. I feel like I need to pay you after we leave because I feel like I'm getting a session <laughs> for free. Well, I appreciate that. Um, oh, this is so good. I, and I love that. I love that we're talking about, that's something else I deal with a lot of guys with is like, how do, how do we take emotions and deal with them in a healthy manner? And how do they point us back, back to the father? Mm-hmm. You know, I had a guy I was talking to. I don't know, maybe last week, and we were talking about and working through his um, his parents' divorce in comparison to my parents being divorced, and we were saying, like, you know, we have to not just sit in the fact that there's anger there. Right. We have to also mourn the thing. And one of the best counseling things that I heard in the midst of going through that with my wife is that, you know, we have to also mourn the things that were good out of it and not just the things that were angry that we're mad at right. and at the end of it if it drives us to just hate them more that's not the point the emotion is supposed to drive us back to the father mm-hmm. and it's supposed to say this is, i'm sad because this is a flawed image of something that you created that was supposed yes. to be a perfect image and i'm angry because this is a flawed image and it's supposed to point me back to who jesus created this image to be 
And I think that's so good. And I love that we're talking about that. So I really hope that this guy in particular listens to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I need to listen to it after this. But so we're talking about a lot of things that we can do to push ourselves back to Jesus or to even lean on the fact that God is always calling us back to yes. himself. Mm-hmm. Um, what are times in which, like, like, at what point is there this crossover to where we need to start seeking some professional help in this? Because yeah. I know that a, lot, a lot of people sit here and they'll dig themselves in such a hole that they don't want to go to somebody else for help. Mm-hmm. Right. And so at what point is it? It's a good question. I don't know. I, I, I know I'm trying to say like, how far is too far? And I know that's yeah. not the question to ask, right. but in your professional opinion, like where, where is the, the boundaries to where we should seek professional help? Yeah. I appreciate that, that question. I think that first, just personally, part of what got me into this profession was that I had gotten to a place, just really tough place um, in my marriage and just personally where I really needed some help outside of what I could do on my own. Um, And so I was limited. I was stressed out. um, I was trying to pastor a church and learn to preach every week. And we had three kids, five and under at the time. And so uh, we, we we did some marriage counseling for about a year. And so the help that had been given to me during that time, what God did in me during that time was part of what even perked my interest to want to go back and get a professional degree in marriage and family therapy. And so I think that, yeah, to answer the question point blank, I think that, I mean, I'm a big advocate uh, for getting the help that you need. Right. You know, some people might need to just come in for a few sessions and sort of get a little tune up and no big deal. But other other times, there could be some layers to some things, yeah. especially from family of origin, or if there's trauma or abuse in someone's background. These are things that, you know, professionals are trained, therapists are equipped to help, and sometimes it takes a bit longer than you would think to get back to a well place. Yeah. Yeah. And so, how far is too far, this kind of a thing, I think, you know, when it goes beyond just a bit of worry that's situationally. Or a bit of stress that's sort of because this circumstance is happening. That's more of a stress. When it's more of a deeper anxious place or moving into something like an anxiety disorder where over time, we're talking months and months and months where you're really having trouble sleeping. It's affecting every part of your life, not just one particular Mm -hmm. part. Uh, it's going to be really important, I think, to get some help mm-hmm. so that you can get to, get to a place of more consistent wellness. Um, what I was going to say, too, is uh, there's a really great resource just that would be helpful, I think, uh, back to the emotions conversation. There's a book by the name, uh, it's called The Voice of the Heart by Chip Dodd. And he talks about how our emotions really are windows into the longings of the human heart. Mm. So they are tell you know, when I'm feeling whatever I'm feeling, this is this is helping me know how I was made. And so there may be different things that I have to really be honest about how I'm doing so that I can move in the right direction versus being impaired. Mm-hmm. So whenever a student comes in my office and asks me, Oh, you know, I've been wrestling with this for a while, do you think I should go to counseling? Often my response has been well, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, I've often talked yeah. about in my marriage with my husband, we go to counseling 
regularly because we want to get there before problems arise. Yeah. It's like you don't want to just go to the That's doctor right. when your foot's turned gangrene. Like, yeah. there's no reason not to go. There's so many resources at, at our fingertips yeah. here yeah. in um, here in Knoxville, here at the University of Tennessee. Um, I'll never forget sitting with um, a student, an international student um, from India who was flabbergasted by the resources we had for mental health. Yeah. It is so shameful. It is so repugnant that you would need mental health in that um, in that country where he was from, that city specifically where he was right. from, um, that he, he was just like, why wouldn't everyone go? It's yeah. so helpful. Right. And yeah. so uh, breaking the stigma <clears throat> that yep. therapy is only for like tremendous issues is yeah. I think one of the things that, you know, we can have conversations about. I tell my students that I've been to counseling many times over my 33 years of life, and it is mm-hmm. so beneficial. Um, sometimes I come in with something specific to talk about, and sometimes, like you said, a tune-up. Love that, like, right. phraseology, Jared. Right. And sometimes it's coming in for a yeah. tune-up. So if you're asking yourself, should I go right. to therapy, my question back to you is, well, why wouldn't you? So. That's really good. You know, I'm not sure what, what our time is like here, but one story that I that I like to tell is about my first car. You guys remember your first car? Yes. Uh, so I had a 1986 uh, Pontiac. It was, oh, this yeah. little, it was this little white thing that uh, I drove around a small town in Texas where I grew up. And um, I drove around. It's really, really fun, right, to have your new new wheels. And it was just a dumb teenager mistake, but I started driving around and noticing that the brake light was coming on every time I would mash the brakes. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. And I just kept driving around. And then to my shock, I was so surprised and horrified that my brakes went out about six weeks later. <laughs> and uh, I could have been killed. I could have killed someone else. I, yes. uh, luckily, I went down into this sort of grassy ditch and stopped. But we can drive around. Mm-hmm. just to use the metaphor like we can drive around with like sadness flashing on our, our the dashboard yeah. of our soul we can drive around with you know anger or hurt or fear where it's like just just blinking and we're like oh no big deal and we just try to ignore it mm-hmm. but there's going to be consequences to ignoring our emotions yeah just like there's going to be consequences if we explode with our yeah. emotions yeah so I talk about it's a weird way to say it maybe, but sort of like a dormant volcano. It's like, you know, if I'm, if I'm, ignore, if I'm ignoring my emotions, then it's like this sleeping volcano ready to explode. And then I might go all the way over to it's like Pompeii, you know, and I'm exploding. So I talk about a more balanced way of dealing with emotions would be more of an oozing. And so this is a place I really encourage back to some practical things of, of journaling, of yeah. really being have safe, having safe spaces with safe people to kind of really talk about how are you doing really? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. some of this is we need to be able to let out some of that yeah. and pop, pop the hood, right? It, it might just be an oil change or we might need to think about replacing the engine here. Yeah. So um, I like that as a metaphor to talk about how to sort of navigate some of these. Because I think anxiety can really come out of some of those things that we might be avoiding talking about. Yes. Or avoiding yes. uh, really naming in our lives that we're dealing with. So it's yeah. been great talking about anxiety. I hope that, that that's been a helpful take on it. So no, that's just my great. opinion. I'm a counselor. Yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> not the wonderful counselor. Right. So. That's fair. I think that's good.
I love that because you, you talked about one of the practical ways of, of dealing with it was, was journaling. And I mean, my wife does journaling to help her. She's a very external processor. So yeah. like when she can like get alone and can journal, it's like she's externally processing with herself. Yep. And that, that helps her a lot, being able to go through things and do other things. And like you said, you've done counseling. My wife and I have done counseling. You know, we've been married for yeah. three years. We've been, I don't know how many sessions already, you know. Mm-hmm. And I know that we're healthier for it. And I yes. would say 100%, I agree. Like, if you're even thinking about it, you should already be there. You know, you should have already put it on the calendar kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So in terms of kind of kind of bringing this all to a close, we talked about how community is important. We talked about how it's so important to have those people around us that can, you know, highlight the things in our lives that are wrong and that yeah. that need to be pointed back to the Lord, that need to be pointed to a place that is more healthy than they are now. Right. So what if I'm not the one dealing with it, though, and yeah, I'm the person yeah. seeing it in somebody else? Right. Like, how do I approach that particular situation? Um... Just, you know, mom put you on the spot, baby. Yeah, okay. We were looking at Kate. <laughs> no, I have a friend who deals with anxiety and depression, and we were going over the questions this morning. And just, she asked her, she's just like, just talk to them, like, as often as you can. Like, try mm-hmm. to, like, be, like, that person that, like, they go to, mm-hmm. like, they need help, like, be there for them and if yeah. you think that they need like counseling or something like that like be encouraging and say it's yes. okay or like i'll even drive you there yeah. if you need mm-hmm. that's good kate mm-hmm. sounds like some real support there you're mm-hmm. offering which is good mm-hmm. i think that when i think about how to support others going through something like this like a like an anxiety that's gone you know for a long time or there's something deeper that's happening uh it's very difficult to be um what i was going to say is sort of alongside them but not try to fix them Mm -hmm. and so i talk about sometimes this sort of withness how do i uh and, and part of part of it right is when i'm emotionally aware of what's happening in me yeah then i can offer the kind of empathy that i would want if i would uh, you know, if I was going through the same thing, I need to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> so I had a supervisor one time uh, talk to me about how curiosity is really the gateway to compassion. And so if I'm asking questions and I'm really seeking to understand, sometimes just that and validating the person's stress or anxiety mm-hmm. could be the very thing that makes them feel like you're with them, mm-hmm. not trying to fix them. And so I'm I'm guilty of uh, of doing that, especially with my wife. She's like, I don't want you to fix me. I just want you to listen. I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> good, good reminder just to listen. So sometimes a listening ear is a really helpful thing. I think, um, you know, encouraging them to, to sort of think about what they need. Um, we can make suggestions. I think you need this. But maybe even helping them, hey, what do you think you need right now? Hey, what's yeah. been helping? Uh, you know, has going for a walk helped? Has uh, listening to music helped? Has uh, changing up your diet helped? You know, you have to have enough safety and trust to ask some of these things. But um, coming in and even acting like you know the answer is maybe not what's going to be helpful. Mm-hmm. But seeking to be sort of a curious, you know, an open and curious and kind friend 
really offers uh, some some real some real great ways to, to move forward with it. Yeah. I think for me, one of the things that's helped me is by being an example of communicating my own insecurities, my own yeah. emotions, yeah. and setting the example that this is a safe place to share those, that they are, um, that it's healthy to experience emotions um, when we're in uh, a safe place and we can express those in ways yeah. that will honor one another. And yeah. so yeah. Um, taking the microscope off of their yeah. situation yeah. and creating a more like, communal like man this is how i am wrestling this is how i am feeling in the midst of the pandemic this is how i'm feeling yeah. and and even using a variety of emotional terms you know yeah, that's one yes. of the big things i teach my kids is like we talk about like okay right now you're seeming angry is that frustration is that yeah. discouragement yes. and so widening the word usages oh, yeah. of our emotions can oh, also be yeah. something we really um can set the example for because um you might sense that they're struggling with something, but they may not know the word to express yeah, it. Exactly. Or you might be assuming wrong that you know what the emotion <laughs> they're expressing. Right, so right. Um, being an example of kind of like a vocabulary of emotion in that setting and, and speaking your own can um, often lead to a connection that help, uh, leads to reciprocation. Yeah. of their own uh, yeah. emotional well-being and range. So that's yes. been something that's been helpful for me when I'm sitting across from friends and students. That's really yeah. good. Guys, that's awesome. I loved everything. And I think we're going to have to call it there for time's sake. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, we'll see you guys again next week for the depression episode. Looking forward wow. to that. Yeah. So, Woo. What a lead in, Zach. <laughs> depression. Talk to y'all soon.